Hello, everybody. Thank you for tuning into my podcast, Keeping It Real with Caramel, as we say 100. I have Mr. Tom Sawyer on the line. How are you? I'm doing wonderful, doing wonderful. How about yourself? I am doing great. I'm doing great. So I know that you have a book out now called Ripcord Recovery. Can you tell me, the audience, a little about that book? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Ripcord Recovery is a book I published back in 2018. It is an anecdotal treatise, a memoir, if you will, about kind of an epiphany I had in my own recovery. I'm a recovering alcoholic and drug addict, heroin junkie, you name it, and I've been battling addiction for 40 years. After, in the midst of all of that, I kind of reached an epiphany and and a moment of insight that that I thought was worthy of putting into a book and so I published in 2018 and I've been trying to promote it ever since but it is it's just it's a it's not a drunk log it's not pointing the fingers at who's the fault it's right hey here's here's about the time I didn't relapse and here's how that happened because I mean, one of the key factors of the story is that back in the 90s, I was a drug and alcohol abuse counselor, and I was clean and sober for 22 years. You know, tried and true, through and through, diehard member of AA, and I relapsed. Wow. I spent three years back on opiates and booze and landed in the hospital with 21 days worth of detox, you know? Wow. Yeah, so ripcord recovery, just just to add one last thing, I mean, ripcord recovery, that's kind of when the story begins, you know, because it's about the time I didn't relapse. It's like, hey, to go after a relapse of that magnitude and come back from that is unheard of. And so from that standpoint, I felt it was worthy of putting in print. And one last thing. I did in 2018 uh, get an indie humanitarian indie book award for addiction awareness book of the year. So hopefully the the uh, artistic and literary quality of the writing is there as well to create an entertaining read. Right, and it sounds like entertaining because it's it's telling you about addiction and 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 all that good stuff. So you said you was addicted to alcohol for 40 years. Yeah, I mean, off and on, yeah. You, you got to roll back the clock a few decades to put my story together. But, you know, I grew up in the 60s and 70s, and so I was alcoholic early. I mean, I went after everything hard and fast, and I, I wound up in, reco- in rehab multiple times before I was 22. So I sobered up, wow. I sobered up back in uh, 1987. You know, after a fast and furious bout with alcohol and blackouts and, you know, binges on heroin, you name it, and pulled, pulled, pulled my crap together for there for about 22 years, went and got a couple of college degrees, and had a profession and the whole ball of wax. And then addiction is what it is. And when I went back, it, I went it back is. hard. Right. And it is what it is because some people don't admit that they've been addicted. They, they they deny their addiction. And for you to write a book to let everybody know that this is what it is, you know, it's addiction. So why do you think people deny that they're addicted to any kind of drug? 
Well, honestly, it's social social stigma. Sorry about that, but social stigma. I mean, it's just the whole thing of not wanting to be labeled anything. You know, and and one of the things about my book, and I've tried to culminate. You know, like I said, I've hell, I've got a degree in psychology. I used to be a counselor, and I mean, the the rip ripcord recovery is an entirely new way of approaching recovery. It is a it is a condensed old school. <laughs> Yo, original gangster version of hey, I gotta I gotta save my ass, you know. Right. I don't care what right. anybody else thinks, the doctors, anybody else. But if I'm fixing to die and this disease is killing me, who the hell am I kidding? I gotta do something. So ripcord recovery is a whole new way to do it, where I don't have to deal with none of that anymore. It is easy peasy, lemon squeezy. It's, I mean, honestly. right, exactly. You're right because you already been through everything. So, do you think? I know I was reading, I was like looking at your bio and everything, and um, you said something about medical marijuana. So, do you feel it can help people that has some type of of disabled, like disabilities or anything, um, like have headaches or stuff like that? Yeah. You know. Um, oh, absolutely. Uh, I'm. I'm at this point. I'm kind of a firm believer in that medical marijuana has all kind of uses that we haven't even tapped yet but the, the one thing most people don't realize and, and I've been doing my own scientific experiments if you will but, but the, one, <laughs> right. the one thing I've noticed about medical marijuana is that it is extremely effective if and used in conjunction with something else because I, right. I, I use it for physical pain I use it for stress pain I use it for a lot of things but if you read the book, I mean, I've got a very heavy spiritual component to what I'm doing. I'm incorporating right. every aspect of my body, my mind, and my spirit into this single path, if you will, which is that I'm enjoying life. <laughs> I mean, and, you, and you know what? You're supposed to enjoy life. Yeah. You know, you cannot you cannot sit in in one spot and yeah. wonder what. You know, you have to experience things to know if it's good or bad for you, yeah, I feel, you know. Yeah. You know? To, to, to be honest with you, and I've got a hand, I've got a half a dozen friends that are doing the same thing, some of which have also been sober for over 30, 40 years that are now doing medical marijuana for a variety of reasons. Um, right. But, but for those of us that have been through this before, to add medical marijuana to the equation honestly i'm just gonna be blunt i mean after 20 years of having bad days and people saying hey let's go have a drink and sitting there going well fuck y'all have fun <laughs> part of the language but I, you know i can't you know right so now to be able to have the, the the option if you will of saying hey i had a really bad day i'm gonna go out and i'm gonna vape a little weed you know because i'm I've had open heart surgery. I've had all kind of crap. I can't smoke anymore. <laughs> I mean, right, I'm, I'm right. Purely edibles, vaping, a variety of other. I mean, because I'm a, I like to take care of my body. And you're supposed to. I mean, who, if you don't take care of your body, who will? You, you, you know. So when you when you when you was um, when you became sober, how do you feel? Like when you was like, I'm sober. I'm not going back no more. This is what it is. 
so how do you feel you was do you feel like you accomplished something or do you feel like yeah. you know this is going to be a is it going to be hard this is going to be a journey for me well yes and no that, that's one of the interesting things and one of the reasons i've kind of continued in spite of various and assorted opposition but but the one thing i've noticed is that when i was clean and sober for 22 years when you're 100% clean and sober, you're kind of always aware in the back of your mind of this threat of relapse, right? Right. And, and, but what I'm discovering now is that by having an option, by having a chemical that I can turn to when I'm stressed or my back hurts or whatever, I don't want the other stuff. The, the alcohol, the right. heroin, the pills, the benzos. I don't want them anymore. I just... I don't. Right. I mean, I don't want the hangovers, the, the withdrawals, uh, you know, all the blackouts, the, all the crap that goes with it. And I think most people, they put up with all that crap just because they don't want to be labeled an alcoholic. They don't want to be labeled a drug addict. So it's like, oh, <laughs> little piece of trivia. Back when I used to be a counselor, I right. never wanted to admit to anyone in public that I was a counselor. You know why? Because the... Why? Invariably, the first thing out their mouth was why they're not an alcoholic. Oh, but yeah. They, yeah, but, they're going to explain to you. Their Uncle Bob is. And I'm just like, dude, I don't <laughs> care. Uh-huh. Right. I just want to go out to dinner. Right. I so, don't care. <laughs> you know, have a beer. I don't exactly. care. Exactly. And as soon as they know you're a counselor, as soon as they know you're in recovery, they're all uncomfortable drinking around you. You know, it, that's what I was going to ask you next. I was going to ask you being a recovered alcoholic and you see other people drink and they obsessively drink. How does it make you feel like you don't like you be like, OK, whatever. Or you, you tell them uh, you need to read my yeah. book or you be a counselor or what do you do if you see someone over obsessively drinking? Nah, well, so here's I, the thing on that. I spent too many years as a counselor. I do not get mm-hmm. in people's face. If they're going to drink, they're going to drink, and I'm not going to stop them. <laughs> Luckily, not being a counselor anymore, and there's reasons I got out of that profession, is it's not my job anymore. You know, because my 22 years in corporate America, in that entire time, I worked for one company, and I made it to the top tiers of the company. And in that time, no one, no one in the company knew I was a recovering alcoholic. They just knew I didn't drink. Oh, wow. And I, oh, wow. I did that on purpose and I guarded it like like crazy because in business, I'm sorry, but you drank a lot. And if you're and, and right. if your co-workers and everybody else is drinking, you want them to feel comfortable. <laughs> That's when they tell you all the good secrets. Exactly. Well, I, yeah, because if you told them that you was a recovered alcoholic, they'll probably yeah. won't even want to drink around yeah. you or they'll probably feel bad from, for having a good time yeah. drinking and all that no, stuff, it's, it's right? No choice. I mean, I know alcoholic. I, I, I mean, I'm an alcoholic. I know how it is. It's like I'm 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 not going to judge, but I got, you know, and I wrote the book. I published it because I got tired of people killing themselves thinking there was no option. I got I mean, it's, it's in the book. I mean, one of the my turning moments was when Robin Williams killed himself. I mean, I'm like, right. for us old guys that are relapsing and dying, I've got to stop this. I've got to. And once right. I discovered something that worked, I was like, I was like, well, crap, I'm, I feel guilty if I didn't even try to put it on paper. I mean, hell, nobody wants to read my book. So <laughs> what the hell? I was like, what? <laughs> I tried, you know, 
know? Right, right. And so when you do get someone who read your book and you help them out a lot, have anyone came to you and said, I love your book and you helped me out a lot? Nah, and right. now the, the irony there is, is, is I think it's modern society. Not that many people read anymore because of the people who have right. read the book, it seems like most are literary types. So they're all like, oh, this is a great book. I really like it. I hope it helps somebody. They're all like, well, oh, yeah. you can get to the right person there. Right? Th- this was intended for the addicts themselves. Right. But most addicts, I, I would say that they don't read. They're too busy out there doing well, what they want to do, you That's know? That's why I made a short book. I mean, it's only set. It's only seven <laughs> right. four pages. It's an easy, quick read. I even got some cool, funny pictures in it to keep everybody's attention. I planned on it that way. It, it was it was oh, okay. intentionally devised to be as short as possible. I, I deleted many, many, many pages in an effort to say, okay, what's the story I want to tell? What What's the pieces of this puzzle that are critical to changing the equation i mean i'm i'm a huge star trek fan i love captain kirk uh, i i absolutely <laughs> believe in the kobayashi maru and i don't believe in the no-win scenario i mean i will i will cheat right. this thing six ways to sunday and holy hell i can't tell you how many people accuse me of cheating just because i had medical marijuana and i rearranged the 12 steps of alcoholics anonymous a little bit they're like oh you're cheating i'm like I'm like, How's that cheating, though? Yeah, no, that's what I'm saying. All well, I, I've got like six doctors that monitor all my heart, blah blah blah, health shit. Every one of them knows what I do. Every one of them knows why I do it that way. And every one of them, my cardiothoracic surgeon included, says, you know, given your medical history, that's actually a good idea. Because oh wow! For that is given, awesome. Uh, I mean, when you look at the amount of damage alcohol and or opiates will do to the heart if I relapse, yeah, there's, there's, I, well, I, no, <laughs> uh, another, another. Well, yeah, because because they're they're hard on the heart. I mean, I'm pretty sure if you drink every day, more every day you're drinking, that's damaging to your your liver, your kidneys. And everything else to go with it, your organs. Yeah, well, period. It, it's simple, you know. Math. I mean, part part of what's wrong with my heart is a valve defect that runs in the family, plus all the other damage, but you know, clogged up some arteries and stuff. But the the interesting thing is that my dad has the exact same heart defect. He had the exact same surgery, but he got his done at sixty five. I got mine done at fifty. That the alcohol oh, wow. and the drugs wow. made, made mine deteriorate faster. Oh, wow. Yeah. yeah. I'm pretty sure it did. So do you have any more books coming out no, besides no, this actually one? actually, I don't. Like I said, it's one of those things that was a one-time thing. I put it out there, you know, assuming I became, you know, a world-famous author, I would probably continue. But it was it was a one-time thing. <laughs> right. you know, I'm, I'm a philosopher at heart and... I like to experiment with different ways of improving life and philosophy. And I've got a whole, you know, for me, ripcord recovery was just the beginning. You know, that little story of that period right. of my life when 
honestly, I achieved what I consider a life's worth of enlightenment. I just all of a sudden, it was like, holy crap, I get it. So that was like therapy for you, honestly, just writing on a piece of paper and you're just going back to what what you've been through, your flashbacks and all that good stuff. So that's just like therapy to you. It was just like you writing it down. You hope you was helping someone, you know, that was in that had addiction and you're just having therapy, plus, really, plus honestly. Plus a lot of time and effort and thought into going, hey, here's the pieces of the puzzle that work. Here's the recipe that has been a game changer here here's the critical for anybody who's old school like me and maybe struggling with all of this i mean here's how i kind of resolved that mentally to go from an old school aa or like me to where i'm at now is like doesn't happen (laughs) right right so how are you doing with the pandemic and all this good stuff you're being safe everything is good because yeah yeah i'm i'm, I'm being a say that just like everybody else i mean i got i got railroaded into early retirement and the economy's in the toilet and you know everything else but the the weirdest thing is that like i said before i have no desire to drink no desire to do drugs i wish i could get back to colorado and get some proper medicine but <laughs> Everybody want to go to Colorado. Well, That's I mean, where it's at. The thing is, it's a felony in my home state. So w- w- the only difference is, oh, okay, great. It's a felony in my home state. So that means that my money goes to the cartels. I mean, where's the logic in this? I, yeah, I mean, I got I to right. go to the underworld to get some product that's yeah, barely passable as medicine. So do you feel? So do you feel that every state should? legalize oh, medical yeah. marijuana medical marijuana straight up uh, i mean uh, that's just ridiculous what how in the world can they call something medicine in one state but not in the other do we have different doctors do we have a different right. american medical association it's like i mean i'm right. just going okay when it comes to recreational okay everybody can have their own opinion but when it comes to medical even my doctors oh my god all of my addiction specialist the guy who's the one that's like trying to get everybody off the drugs, he's sitting there going, I wish I could right. prescribe it for you. Exactly, because I know that in the state of Florida here where I'm at, um, it's, it's legal. Mar- uh, medical marijuana right. is legal. And so I guess certain states says no, but I feel like they should legalize medical because I also agree with you because I feel like people are hurting all over the world, you know, and they need something to stimulate them, you know, like make them feel better, you know? One of the other things that's in the book is, you know, because my heart surgery happened after I started this whole experiment. After the heart surgery, I had to be on opiates again for two months. I had to go through withdrawals again. And the thing I discovered was that by planning ahead for all of that and incorporating medical marijuana, I had no problem with the withdrawals. It was a a shocker to go from 24 hour a day opiates after two months and I knew I was gonna have withdrawal issues. So we tapered and some other stuff with my doctors, but once I just threw in the medical marijuana and had no withdrawals whatsoever, I was like, holy crap i was like 
you know, as, as oh, a wow. medicine, they ought to be throwing it out for that because I and I had to, I had to have another surgery after that, I had a triple hernia. So, yeah. Wow, you've been through it all. It's the same thing. I did the round of painkillers as needed for the surgery. Doctors knew about it. At the end of that, opiates for the withdrawals, no problem. So I was like, wow, you've been, you've been through it all. Good gosh, I couldn't, I don't know, I couldn't go through all that. You've been through so much and you still have a good spirit hey, within you everything. Keep going. It's, it, failure's not an option here. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. I, I agree with you. I, I totally agree with you. But gosh, I just wish you the best. And I just, I'm so glad that you had time to talk to me. And because, um, yeah, gosh. Man. I don't even I don't even know what to say because I know that you've been through so in much in life. It it goes way back into the yeah, 60s, oh yeah. right? Then, oh yeah, I grew up I grew, I grew up in South Louisiana in the 60s. I'm, I'm here to tell you that's a whole different culture. I <laughs> know they was oh, like no, hippies no, back no. in those days though, 60s right? 60s in South Louisiana, we were straight up Cajun coonasses. We were swamp rats through and through, yeah. Oh. <laughs> Oh wow! <laughs> but, yeah, no, yeah. Oh wow, that's great. Want to hear more? I mean, ripcordrecovery.com. More about my bio, the contact information. It all comes straight to me. So, yeah, if anybody's got questions or they want to know more, I, it, it's one of those books that that isn't getting a whole lot of notoriety. Uh, personally, I think it's the cure to addiction. But beyond that, shit, it, it'll be sitting on Amazon. I guess. <laughs> right. Right. It, it's going to sell because people have to hear it. They have to like get in more detail of it. And I'm definitely going to put it in the bio so people can um, look at it and see what it is. Because some people, like you said, some people don't admit that they're addicted. But when they read your book, they're yeah. like, yeah, I'm addicted, you know. But I, I like to end the, the show with a positive message. And I would love for you to give them a positive well, message. I, I guess the positive message I would have is to say that, okay, it doesn't matter what anybody else thinks. I mean, for me, if I got an allergy to alcohol and I don't want to do it anymore, I'm not going to do it anymore. And the reality is for any addict out there, do not give up. There is always another path to sobriety. And I'm proof positive that anybody can do this thing. So yeah, yeah, don't let anybody label you. If you want a better life, just do it. Don't drink anymore. Smoke pot. I love you. You was like, don't do it anymore. Okay. Smoke pot. That's okay. it. <laughs> My thing, my thing is I don't care. I, I, you know, I, I have an allergy to alcohol. It's, it's not a social stigma. I'm not a retard. Uh, just it's like I'm allergic to right. strawberries. I don't eat strawberries. Right. Exactly. And that is true. You don't do what you don't want to do. You know, you can do what you want to do when you want to do it, and then when you don't want to do it, don't do it. Period. No worries. Basically, well, I will say. Exactly. So I would like to say thank you for being on my broadcast. And I love talking to you. I have to talk uh-huh. to you again because you're funny. Yeah. <laughs> and I will definitely send you the link to your um, interview. Uh, and okay. listeners, if like you- Mr. Tom said, he said, don't drink alcohol, yeah. Yeah, smoke pot. Know. There you go. 
<laughs> I'm not telling you, you Mr. Tom back, said that. Give me a call. All right. I will. All right. Thank you so much. Bye. All right, bye-bye.